I want you to go in your Bible with me for tonight to the book of John chapter 14. And we're going to use that as a starting point. I'm so excited about the word tonight. And I'm going to, I believe tonight if you'll open up your heart and receive from the Lord, I'm not here just to preach at you. I've been at my campuses this week. Now, whether you all know it or not, we got three other campuses. I go to Ratliff Care. I go to Life Care. And I'm now going into Chateau Girardeau. And uh, I'm loving going into those places. Matter of fact, I got called today to do, or they asked me yesterday to do a memorial service for one of the nurses that passed away at Life Care. And I had a chance today to speak to a whole group of the staff and to the residents that are there. I want to encourage you something. Ministry is all around us. And don't you dare limit anything to where God can't, or where God can't use you. You don't have to be in here for God to do something great and something awesome. I'm just as excited to go in that nursing home as I am right here because it's an opportunity to demonstrate the power and release the word of the Lord to see lives completely change. Look at your neighbor and say, ministry's all around you. It really is. Everywhere you go, I was in Paducah in a meeting. In a meeting the other night, a group of leaders were gathering there in the home church that I grew up in. Uh, they invited me to come, so me and Diane ran over just to be in the meeting with them. And the brother was there from that was speaking was from Fort Myers, Florida. Drove up, wasn't a big group of people, just a small group of guys. And uh, but he he was an evangelist for years, and the Lord spoke to him, said, "I'm going to put you in Christian education." Stirred his heart to go open a Christian school in Fort Myers, but he's an evangelist at heart. So he was preaching the other night a dynamic word about us sharing our faith everywhere we go. And he just got this simple little card that he pulled out of his pockets, got a smiley face on it, and said, I hope it, it says, I hope you have a good day. On the back of it is the Roman road, how to be saved, and, and it gives him the address of his church. He said, the Lord has just really been stirring him lately, wherever he goes, to minister to people, whether it's in Costco, whether it's in Walmart, wherever they go. He was talking about the other day, he was, I believe it was in Sam's Club there, and he said... He just felt impressed. There was a guy there. He just pulled out this card, gave it to him, said, man, I hope you have a good day. And the guy looks at him kind of like, hey, thanks, man. He said, you got 30 seconds for me to ask you something. And he said, he asked the man, if you were to, if you were to die right now, would you make heaven? And the guy said, I had to be honest. He said, no. And he said, you, you know, he just kind of looked at him like, Wow. And he said, man, I want you to know that you could have that assurance right now. And he turned and got ready to walk away. And he said he felt the prompting of the Lord to turn around and go right back to him. And said, man, you got 30 more seconds. He said, I believe you could have that assurance right now. And I want to tell you how to do it. And I want to lead you in a prayer if you'll pray with me. And he said, the man right there in the midst of the Sands Club just began to pray with him. And he led him in that sinner's prayer. After they got done, he told him, he said, Brother, if you believe that in your heart, you are on your way to heaven. And he just invited him to his church or to go somewhere. The guy said, well, you know what? You may see me. He got ready to walk away again. The guy, hey, come back here. I got to tell you something. He said, I want you to know I have been the biggest drug dealer in Orlando. And he said, I got through, thrown in the prison. And I haven't been out of prison real long. And I decided I couldn't live in that area and keep myself straight, so I moved to this area. 
And I don't believe it's by chance that you met me here today to tell me how my life can change. It's there, church. It's all around us if we, if we will, if we will just look for it, if we'll take opportunity uh, to minister to people. It's everywhere we go. And I believe the greatest move of God isn't going to be in the four walls of the church. It's going to be out there. I've never heard of so many tent meetings taking place in the hours they're happening right now. Everywhere you go, outside. Matter of fact, if you'll remember before COVID, the prophets began to say God's going to take it to the streets again. And I believe that God's doing exactly what He said He would do. Well, let me get into the Word with you. That's really not what I wanted to preach to you. But, you you know, somebody asked me a question the other morning. This got my heart stirred. And God just began to download download on me. The question was, what is the church going to do with everything that's going on around us with soaring gas prices and and all of these things that are happening? He He asked me, he said, how do you think it's going to impact the church? And for a moment, I thought I had to think about that for a moment. I, it didn't take me real long. I thought, well, you know what I believe is happening in this hour? I, I believe the church is being revealed. I really believe it. I believe it's bringing a real separation to those who are really going to trust God and, and those who are not. I begin to think about all the stuff, craziness that's going on. How many mass shootings and a mass shooting is considered to be where four people have been shot uh, over and above the shooter, that's considered a mass shooting. And, and so I don't know how many, it's been several hundred, I think, in, in, you know, in a short period of time. And I got to thinking about that. Lord, why is there so much craziness going on in the earth? I want to tell you something. One, we know the devil is working overtime. I really believe that. We know all of that is of the devil. It's not an issue of a gun. I don't want to be political, but it's really not an issue of a gun. It's an issue of a heart. But I really believe people are being stressed to the max. And after the last couple years with COVID and with everything that's going on from the political climate now to financial things that are getting out of whack and shortages and all the things that we're hearing, I believe people are being pushed to their limit. I really believe that by the Spirit of God. I believe they are stressed to the max. People wondering, how are we going to make it? What are we going to do? And the enemy is capitalizing on that. But then the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me because we just come through, we just come through Pentecost, or we're in that feast of Pentecost now, I believe it. I think that it start this weekend, or we're in the... It was this past Sunday. So we're there. And at Pentecost, or just before Pentecost, Jesus left these words. Listen to what he said in John chapter 14. And verse. let's just look at verse 25. He said, these things have I spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance that I have told you. Listen to what he says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Uh, Not as, he said, I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I didn't read it quite right, so let me read it again. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives gives do I give to you let your heart let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid 
I believe Jesus was speaking these to these disciples in an uncertain time when uncertainty was all around them and he declares something to them. I'm going to give you peace that you can endure the difficulties, you can endure the storms, you can endure the hard times. I believe you and I ought to be like this when we go to the pump. I don't think we ought to look and say, man, gas prices are getting high. I believe we ought to lay our hands on our car and say, I bless you. I am blessed of the Lord. I am blessing my car to go further than it's ever gone. I'm blessing my fuel to, come on somebody, I'm blessing my fuel to last and I'm not going to worry about how I'm going to make it and where I'm going to get my resource because I am blessed of the Lord. I didn't start speaking on blessing for no reason. I believe God is speaking to us that we're going to act like the people of God. In the book of Isaiah, in a very difficult time, through the book of Isaiah, the Bible tells us that Israel had turned from the Lord. Israel, Judah had turned from God. Men's heart was wicked. Wickedness was was covering the earth. In in Isaiah chapter 1, he says something like, he said the... The ox, uh, let me just read it to you because I can't quote it. I got so many things in my heart right now and I'm getting ahead of myself. So let me read it. Isaiah chapter 1, you don't have to turn there and I didn't give her notes for it. It it says something like this. The ox knows its owner and the donkey knows its master crib. But Israel does not know, neither do my people consider anymore. Then he turned around and he called it a real sinful nation. He said a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers. I mean, that's some pretty tough talk that God's starts out. And then he says something in verse 9 of chapter 1, unless the Lord of hosts had left a very small remnant. You don't know what we're doing as a church. You don't know how important it is for the church to be in the place. Because he said, if it had not been for this small remnant, he said, you would become like Sodom and you would become like Gomorrah. But hear the word of the Lord. Then he goes on to say, and listen, church, he said, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Now he speaks this in a time of sinfulness and a time of difficulty. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. And then in chapter 2 it says, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house is going to be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations are going to flow into it and many people are going to come and say, Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord's house to the house of the God of Jacob and he will teach us his ways I wonder why they're going to run to the top of the mountain and want to be instructed by God because I believe because the church is going to flourish when everything else around it is not going to flourish the church is going to walk in joy and happiness and peace and it's going to be fulfilled when the world is falling down Paul prophesied in the book of of Ephesians the day had come that now God was going to reveal the mystery of the fellowship that was in Christ that through the church he would demonstrate to the print to the darkness the manifold wisdom of God. The church is going to be revealed because it's going to carry the glory of the Lord. 
I believe it with all my heart. And the church is called to walk in peace. Now, when we're talking about peace, let me define that for you. A couple different definitions. We come from the Hebrew, the word shalom. It will mean something like this. It will mean safe. It will mean well. It will mean happy. It will mean favored. To be safe in mind and body. It means to prosper. It means to be at peace as what you would know peace. To be in a place of quietness. And lastly, another definition would be rest. Now notice what Jesus said. My peace I give unto you. My peace I give unto you through the Holy Spirit. Church, I want to tell you something. I was meditating on this. I can't get away from this word because the reality is we've been declaring that this is a time of signs, wonders, and miracles. Nothing says that that has to be just eyes being able to see again or limbs growing out. Can the miracle be when everything around you is falling down, you are flourishing like Isaac sold in a land of famine and brought forth a hundredfold measure? Could it be that miracles is the life that we're going to leave in a world that's full of darkness and corruption and yet we the people of God, we're not worried about a thing because we know that Jesus is on our side. Hello, somebody. you got to look at miracles far beyond that. Matter of fact, we got to flourish when nothing else will. I believe that. He said, my peace. I get. Everybody put your hand out like this. He said, my peace I give unto you. I believe through this word tonight there is an importation of the peace of God coming to you right now if you will grab hold of it and receive it. Now if we would look at it from a Hebrew perspective, this is what, you can put your hands down because you can just keep grabbing hold of it. From a Hebrew perspective, the, the word peace, the shalom would mean the absence of conflict or war. The absence of conflict or war. I'm not going to get up and live in conflict. I'm not going to get up and live in the, in the war of this world. It also means to make good. In other words, when it looks like the enemy is taken from you and the world is stealing from you, God said, I'm going to make it good. You can count on me. I'm going to make it right. Here's another definition. Wholeness. I just spoke a word on that on Sunday morning a week or so ago, right before Brother Steve. The question to the man at the pool of Bethesda was this. Will you be made whole? As though it's not up to God, it's up to you whether you're going to receive it and you're going to believe it and you're going to walk in it. It also means good health. Jim, we're going to believe for total. He that began a good work in Jim Hoover will complete it. We're going to believe for wholeness, good health. It also means completeness. It means tranquility. It means rest. We're not going to struggle and labor. I'm telling you what the Lord is saying. Peace is being released to His church. In Israel today, if you were to greet someone, they would greet you with shalom. 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 They wouldn't say, hey... They would say, Shalom, what are they doing? They're actually blessing you. And this is what they would be saying. May you be full of well-being. May you be full of health. And prosperity be upon you. That's what they would be declaring as they greet you. 
Not after you told them your problem, but in their greeting to you. They would be declaring the word of the Lord over you. Paul said to the church at Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now may the Lord of peace give you peace always in every way. Now, everybody say now. Now may the Lord of peace give you peace always in every way. I'm expecting some supernatural things. Every day, I really am. I'm expecting it. I want to stir you to spe- expect it. I, I believe why Steve was here, Brother Steve was here over the weekend. I, I believe he came to be an encouragement to the body. He ministered to more people. I got, I got two or three pages of notes that I wrote down. Everybody he was ministering to. 99% of everything that he brought out was an encouragement to everyone that was in this place. I believe God is wanting us encouraged for the second half of this year. I've already told you it's going to be a phenomenal year. Don't get your eyes on things going on. I want you to declare what God is saying. And when we get to the end of the year, we're going to look back. I believe, Tom Keller, we're going to stand in amazement and say only God could do such a thing. So how are we going to walk in peace? He said, my peace. I give unto you. He said in Isaiah 26, 3, he said, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, complete peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Now, if you want to keep your mind on the world, go ahead. I guarantee you it's going to take your peace. It's going to take your joy. And it's going to take your health. You and I are going to have to make some decisions. I was listening to a preacher for about three, about three minutes or less while ago, and he was preaching hard. He said, it's time for us to draw a line in the sand and say this is it, but we're going to have to be determined which side of that line we're going to stand on. Either I'm going to stand on God's side or I'm going to stand on the world's side. But I choose to walk in what God has spoke to us. He said, I'll keep you in perfect peace if you'll keep your mind on me. If you'll stay focused to me, if you'll keep your attention on me, I'll keep you in perfect peace. Remember, it's not just talking about quietness. And he said, my peace isn't like the world. My peace isn't there. See, we, this is our peace. Well, if I just go and can get away, I just need a moment. I used to hear my wife say, when the boys were little, he's here, I can talk about him now. I, I just need, just give me 10 minutes. Just give me five minutes of peace and quiet. Will you boys shut up back there? I remember those days when we were driving over from Paducah in the early years and we were driving back and forth. Jared and Chad were, were just little bitty guys and they were cutting up in the back seat. They were having the best time. And that hour and 20 minute drive must have been an all day drive. Or at least that's what it felt like because they never shut up. They're giggling and cackling. And I remember just hearing Diane say a few times, just give me, just give me five minutes. Just five, five, maybe ten minutes of peace and quiet. What was she looking for? She was wanting everything around her to settle down, but nothing has changed. God said, I'm not giving you that peace where nothing changes. I'm going to give you a peace that you can change everything around you. That the world is going to look at you and say, what in the world? How are you doing that in the moment of time that we're in? Give you three things that I believe are three keys. If we're going to walk in the peace of God. Three keys that we're going to have to have. Number one, we've got to be at peace with God. 
I believe we need to have an understanding of what being at peace with God is. Or may, may I say it like this. Rather, it's knowing that God is at peace with me. You'd be surprised how many of the church still believe that God is out to get us. I hear much religion. I hear it all the time saying the church has got to get right. The church has got to get right. Well, it may need to get right, but you and I need to have an understanding. It won't be right upon our merit of what we do. It'll be right upon my merit of receiving what Jesus did for me. Come on, somebody. And as a result of that, the church keeps beating itself up, and we feel like every time we blow it, and I don't know about you, I can do it several times within a day, maybe even in a minute, and I'm still here. God didn't zap me. He didn't throw me down. He didn't call, well, God must have put this on me because of my failure. And if you're thinking like that and talking like that, listen to me, church, then you're thinking by a religious spirit, God does not put that on you in any form or fashion. He's trying to get you out of it. Well, maybe he's correcting me. Well, I'm going to let God deal with my correction. Because see, most of the time we think about correction, we think, he, Jesus said this, even the Word said, those I love, what do I do? I chasten, I correct. Most of us don't know how to correct. We only correct when we got mad. Or out of our anger. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm, you boys better straighten up. I can hear that belt of my death. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, coming through all of those belt loops. And he might got upset and we felt it upon our backsides. But all we knew, we were cutting up and he was angry because we were not paying attention to us. When God said, I'm going to correct you, he is not pounding you that way. He is trying to show us how that we can live and that we can absorb every blessing that he's intended for our life. Hello. We got to be at peace with God. Look at your neighbor and say, God's not angry with you. Matter of fact, he's not angry with the world. I know that's what some people think. I think he's heartbroken with how the world acts. I believe he's speaking like Pastor Val spoke a few weeks ago and like Anthony Sargent spoke a week ago. You guys aren't acting like I made you to act. I believe he's more heartbroken than angry. How do you know that, Pastor? Because the Bible said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And the reason he gave his only son was sin had taken over the world. And the only way to reverse the sin was that a sacrifice would be made. And man couldn't do it within himself. So God gave himself to come to the earth to die in our behalf and pay the price so that you and I wouldn't have to carry it. He loves you more than what you could ever imagine. He loves us so much. Matter of fact, God is so much at peace with us. If we could only imagine. I'm not saying, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying God is winking at everything that's going on. Somebody asked me today, I, I, no, I won't go there, not here. Uh, because I don't want anything to happen. Uh, but somebody was asking me about when, when certain things are happening in the earth, how, how we're going to respond to them. 
you, you know, what are we going to do? I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take our authority in God and we're going to stand in, in peace as much as we know how to stand in peace knowing that God loves every one of us. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, he loves you. He loves you. Matter of fact, for every one of us. Jesus came to break down, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, that we were aliens and we were foreigners. And, and it went on to say something like this. Let me read it exactly. It says, we were, we were aliens far from the commonwealth and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. Talking about us as Gentiles. Talking about us heathens. But, the word said, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of God. What do you mean brought near? You've been brought to the heart of the Father. You and I have been brought to the point that I can come boldly to the throne of grace and I can obtain mercy and find grace for my time of need. Verse 14 says, for he himself is our peace. Jesus has become my peace. He was wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of my peace is upon him, and with his stripes we're healed. Now, I want you to real quickly turn to Romans chapter 8. They're going to throw this up on the, on the screen for me. It says in, in Romans chapter 8, to those in Christ there is no more any condemnation. Verse 28 says, and we know that all things work together for the, for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? For whom he did foreknow, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. I want you to notice something there. Whom he did foreknow, he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. He wants us to be so much like him. Think about this. The Bible says he sits at the right hand of the Father, right? Steve talked to us about that the other day. He ever lives to make intercession for us. So here's the deal. When you come boldly to the throne room, hang with me. When you come boldly to the throne room, if I'm like him, he doesn't know if it's me or Jesus. Why? Because I've been made, I've been conformed to the image of the Son. He thinks it's Jesus just walked in. Why? Because he sees him. He sees me. He sees you. He sees everything through Jesus. Well, y'all can stay right where you are if you want. I'm just telling you. Moreover, whom he predestined or predetermined, he called as though, hey, hey, Chris, come, I want you to enjoy what I've, he's calling us close to him. He called and whom he called, he justified and whom he justified, these also he glorified. So first of all, he called. All right, he said, come, Ben, come, Alejandro, come. I'm inviting you in. This is yours. Man, you don't have to wait for an invitation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brag on something. I got an invitation yesterday. It kind of blew my mind. I'm going to have lunch with the governor next week. Yeah. I'm, next Wednesday, I'll be sitting at his table with, with, with the nine other pastors. 
And, and I don't know how, I, I really don't know how that came about other than I'm going to be at another meeting and that must have been the only way because my name got put there. But, but, but I, I'm going to go, that's what he said, they called me. I had never thought about that. I don't, I had to ask, I, I'm telling, I said, hey dude, what's the address? He said, you'll find it, the mansion's right next to the Capitol building. I've never been there. So I'm going to have to go looking for it. But he called me. He said, I want you to be here. It's going to start. I want you to be here at 1130. I'll be waiting on you. I'll be standing. I want you to park outside, come through the center gate, walk up to the door. I'll be waiting for you to bring you in. He even told me how to dress. He said, come in a, in a suit and a tie. I said, I probably would. But I thought, well, listen, if that call was that important to me, think about the call. I'm trying to compare something to what God is saying. I'm calling you into something that you don't ever get a chance or you would never get there unless he opened the gate for you to come into it. He said, those he called, he justifies you and I need to understand what it means to be justified. It is a legal declaration that our sin is forgiven. Hello, it is a legal deal. It's a, it's, 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 it's a courtroom issue. It is a legal deal. Your sins are forgiven. But not only does it mean your sins are forgiven, it also means that you have been put in right relationship with God as though you had never ever sinned. Hello? Therefore, you enter back into that personal relationship that you hang out with God like Adam did in the very beginning. And they walked in the cool of the day together. And they observed all of creation. And they saw all the wonderful things that God had made. It gives you that legal right. You have to know it's a legal right. Because if you don't, the enemy's going to challenge you. And those he justifies, he glorifies. I thought, Lord, what does it mean to be glorified? We're looking for glory. And God said, I'm glorifying you. I'm raising you to a higher plane of living. I'm raising you to a higher level. You remember what Paul said to the church at Philippi, talking about Jesus. He that thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made of himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant. When he left heaven, he took a lower state. Come on. He took a lower state to bring you and I back up to the higher state, and that is the God kind of state. Come on, I'm trying to get you in peace tonight. You and I are having that now, not when we get to heaven. He said, I'm going to glorify you. When Jesus had fulfilled everything that he'd done in John 17, he prays. And he says, now, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had before I came. So now he was saying, give me that Zoe, give me that life of heaven instead of this earth suit that I'm walking in. Oh, come on, somebody. And then he said, after knowing that, then who's going to lay anything to God's charge? Who's going to be able? Who, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? You know where that part comes from? 
That comes from way back when God brought the children of Israel up out of Egypt and was bringing them into the promised land. And when they got into the promised land, God said, in this place is a land flowing with milk and honey. You're going to have houses. You didn't build. You eat bread till your belly is full. You're going to drink from vineyards. You didn't grow and all that good stuff. And he said, yet there are giants in this place and there's people in this place that are greater and mightier than you, but I've already given you authority over them and you're going to drive them out and you're going to possess your land. So he said, who who can tell you anything different? If God be for us, who can be against us? I don't know about you, but we got God on our side. Look at your neighbor and say, God's on my side. The government may not be, but God's on my side. Come on, somebody. God is on my side tonight. Then he goes on to say, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. He delivered him up for us all for this purpose. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you that we have a sufficiency. God, I thank you that we'll, we'll, we'll not worry. We're going to walk in peace. Let it get to six, seven dollars. God, you're going to take it. God, we're believing you. I'm, I'm preaching to me. Come on, somebody. Y'all may not believe this, but it's happened. I told this story before when I was a little boy. Back then when, when my job was to push more the lawn that guys are riding around getting $100 for, and I got two bucks for pushing it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I had a lawn to do downtown Paducah. It was my neighbor's business. My dad takes me down late one evening, and he takes my mower, and he drops me off. But he fails to leave my gas can. And I got a pretty good sized yard, probably as big as this building here, to mow. And he leaves me. I'm probably not much more than 11 or 12 years old. I'm mowing, I run out of gas. It's kind of getting late in the evening. We didn't have cell phones. I was too, really too shy and too backwards, probably too afraid to walk down the road to a neighbor or somebody and ask if I could use, you know, that rotary phone. That you had to go in the house to use and didn't have a quarter for the payphone or a dime or whatever it was. But I remember, Pastor, what I'd been taught. That whatever I ask in the name of Jesus, God would provide. You may not believe this. You weren't there. I was. But I remember grabbing a hold of that, that rope on that moor. I said, moor, you're going to run in the name of Jesus. I pulled it and nothing happened. I said, moor, in the name of Jesus, you're going to run. And that moor started up. May I tell you, I finished that lawn with no gas in the name of Jesus. I'm going to, in the name of Jesus, you're going to run. In the name of Jesus, you're going to run. In the name of Jesus, you're going to run. You may not believe that I was there. I finished the lawn. What happened to me? A 12-year-old kid could remember, could know that anything was possible to him that believeth. And we get older and all of a sudden we think we're wiser and we get more stupid. Because we start trusting our flesh instead of trusting what God said. But he said through his son, we have been freely given all things. That means whatever you have need of. 
Come on. He's not just talking about getting you to heaven. He's talking about all things. All things. We just got to get back to believing it. We just got to believe what, that's what the word said. Either the word is true or it's not. If it's not, we might as well get it out. Then he goes on to say, who's going to bring any charge to God's elect? It's God who justifies. Well, you know, after all, I'm a failure. Who told you that? If you're born again, you're not. You guys that are dealing with addiction, you know, once addicted, always addicted. Who told you that? Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Who told you that? We're listening to the wrong course. We're reading the wrong word. It is God that has justified me that I can live the life that he determined. Christ who died and furthermore is ridden. Who, who is it even at, who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us? Oh man, I heard something the other day. Man, this is so powerful. I've been in this thing all my life, and I didn't hear it like I heard it the other day. How many knows that when Jesus went to the cross, he took your sin? He took your iniquity? He took your past? Your sicknesses? He took your poverty? He took it all, and he hung on the cross? He took everything that the enemy accused you of that was hanging on the door? That's why he said he made an open show of it publicly. He died upon the cross with all that in his flesh. He who knew no sin became sin. So on that cross, it was sin. Come on, it was sin. He was placed in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose again. But may I tell you, when he come out... He didn't come out with poverty. He didn't come out with lack. He didn't come out with sin. He didn't come out with sickness. Then where is it? It's still in the tomb. It's still in. Oh, you didn't hear me. It's still in the tomb. He buried it so that you and I wouldn't have to bear it. Then who shall separate us from the love of God? From the love of Christ shall tribulation, distress, persecution. No, yet in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. i got to find this definition of love here just for a moment. When he talks about, when he talks about who shall separate us from the love of Christ. I've got a cousin I just told you about that lost two of his kids. They committed suicide. One two years ago and one just a few months ago. And every day I see that mama. And just about every day I see that daddy make a post on Facebook with their, with their picture. Saying something to this effect. I'll never forget you and I'll always love you. I want you to think about that. If you've gone through life and you've lost a loved one or you lost somebody. There is a memory of that love. But that love is really not active. Because one part of it is gone. will never be in turn. But when it says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He's talking about a moment by moment action of God himself that is always working 
to bring me the very best, his everlasting joy, his everlasting life, his everlasting peace. It is always working for my good. This is a love is not a memory. It is always working for me. Always. Always. So you've got to settle an issue if you're going to walk in peace. You've got to have peace with God. And receive the peace of God towards you. Here's the second thing. i got to land this jet real quick. My time is already up. Here's the second thing. you got to be at peace within yourself. You'd be surprised how many people don't like themselves. How many people can't accept themselves. We're thrown into a world that causes us to live to the values of somebody else. Or we're constantly proving ourself to somebody else but the scripture tells us put up that psalm 103 the psalmist david said something like this he said bless the lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name and forget not all of his benefits who forgives me of all my iniquity, who heals me of all my diseases, who redeems my life from destruction, crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagle. Think about this. He's treating me like royalty. That's what he's talking. You fill my mouth with good things. He's talking about the delicacies of the king. Don't forget, but yet we as a people don't even like ourselves because we think about all of our past failures, all of our past defeats, and all of our past moments of sin and iniquity and everything that we've got ourselves into. So we see ourselves and we compare ourselves because of that. But God said, that's why the psalmist said, soul, you're going to bless the Lord. Don't you forget that. You better bless the Lord. He has forgiven you and he's crowned you. Then he says in Psalms 139, I read this verse on our, to our birthday people on Sunday morning. Verse, 30, verse 39, verse 13, he said, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb, and I will praise you. Listen to what God said. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your words. Do you know what God says about you? You're a marvelous hunk of flesh. I didn't say that. God did. He said, you are wonderfully, fearfully, marvelously made. But God looks at you and says, you're absolutely marvelous. Amen. Well, pastor, I'm not six foot five. My shoulders aren't this broad. I've got wrinkles. I got this. I got that. God didn't say anything. God said, I don't care. I know how I made you. He went on to say, he went on to say, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest part of the earth. Matter of fact, think about this. You are, I mean, every part of you, God had thought out exactly how he wanted you. God thought you out. You weren't, okay, let's see what happens. Not God. God skillfully made every part of you. In Matthew 6, he says, why are you worrying about everything? Which of you can change how tall you are? I wonder why he said that. Because you had nothing to do with how tall you are. About the only thing he said you can change is your weight. He does leave that in our hand a little bit. 
But sometimes I wish I was this tall. I wish I was tall, dark, and handsome like Michael. It always, yeah, it always messes with me. White folks go to the beach to get dark and the black folk try to get north to get light. None of us are ever satisfied. Oh, I wish I could talk. I, I wish I didn't have a Hispanic accent and I talk like all you guys over here. Man, I like your Hispanic accent. I like the lady in my car and the GPS that sounds like she's from Australia, from England. I love her voice. I've never seen her. Never will. <laughs> when, we were in, when we were in England, we got on an elevator, and it would speak to you in that language. It would tell you what floor you was on. We just push buttons in America. Nobody says anything in there. But the lady's talking to me even in the elevator. Third floor. But God said that we were skillfully made. And listen to this. He said, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they are all written. And the days are fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. I want to tell you it's time for us to start loving ourselves and being at peace with ourselves. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But if you're not going to be at peace with yourself, you won't be at peace with everything around you until you can get at peace with yourself. If I could just go get this done. I know people, I've watched, there's a show on TV called Botched. You ever see it? It's a reality show. It's a People go to this plastic surgeon. I want this done. I want this done. My rear's too small. My chest is too small, too large, too thin, too this. I got this. Will you stretch me? So we get stretched, tucked, sucked, pushed. Everything happens. And you know what? It becomes an addiction. And nothing is ever satisfying. It never stops. It just becomes an addiction. I got to have something more done. I want to look like Elvis. You got to be, you don't know how many people go to guys like this. Will you make me look, will you make me, me look like Michael? I mean, people do. Now we got another breed that want to go and they think they're an animal. So they go and they have horns put in their head and things that make them look like a dinosaur down the back and, and all these things that are going to, because they are really not happy with themselves. Trying to find who they are, but you got to come to peace with yourself. I got to land. I got to land. My time is well over. Here's the third thing you got to do you got to become at peace with others around you if you're going to walk in peace. We got to come become at peace with others. You know, the first thing that Jesus did when he called his disciples and he goes to that mountain and he teaches them on the, on, in the mount of, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, the first thing that he does. He said, listen, if you've got some ought, he said, if you've got anger in your heart, you've got a murderous spirit. I didn't say that. The scripture says it. He didn't just say it was anger. He said, you've got a murderous spirit. And then he goes on to say, if you're going to bring your offering and come and worship, and you know your brother is at odds with you, before you ever leave your offering, go get it straightened out. 
Go get it straightened out. Don't you leave this thing. Go get that out of your heart. Get it out of your life. Then you come and you can worship me fully and freely. If I'm going to be at peace with God and peace with myself, I'm going to have to come to peace with others around me. You'd be surprised how many people live in prison their whole life, their entire life, living in prison, mad at a family member, mad at somebody that hurt them years ago, somebody that degraded them, somebody that wounded them, and they carried that their whole life, and they wonder why they are not free. It's the devil. You're right, Michael. Jesus said this in Matthew eleven twenty four. 24. He says, have the faith of God. He said, you want to walk in the miraculous? You want to be able to speak to the mountain and tell the mountain to move? Boy, we get excited about that verse, but we always stop too quick because the next part of it says, if you've got unforgiveness, if you've got ought, get it out of your heart because you're not going to operate in my miraculous with that stuff in your heart. So I'm here to challenge us tonight. God wants to give us His peace. He has given us through His Spirit. Pastor, I just can't let go. Yes, you can you just don't want to. I know it's hard. Please don't let anybody be offended at me. Paul said like this. He said, when I couldn't forgive, I forgave in the person of Christ. I may have to get up every day, Miss Sherry, and say, I forgive you. I may have to do that every I choose to forgive you in the person of Christ. And I believe the more that I proclaim what Jesus did for me, because he didn't have to forgive me. But he forgave me anyway. But I got to make a decision. I'm going to choose. It doesn't mean I have to be the best buddy again. What it means, I release them from any hold or any judgment that I might want to come their way. I release them and just let Jesus have them. And whatever Jesus wants to do, I'm free. Hear me. If you're saying... God's going to get you. I forgive you, but God's going to get you. You haven't done it yet. Sorry, you haven't released it yet. That's why God said judgment belongs to me. Paul said to the church at Ephesians, he said, as much as within you live peaceably with all men, as much as is in me, I've got the job as a believer to take the high road. But pastor, you don't know what they did to me. I know, it's tough. We've all been there. We've all probably got something that we could hang on to. We've all got something that somebody offended us so severely, wounded us so badly, hurt us. I, I don't know what I would do if somebody... I, I know we got parents right now in Uvalde, Texas, that their hearts, man, they're going to have some things to deal with, with the young man that walked in and took the life of their kid. That would be the most horrible thing under the sun. But I'm going to tell you, it'll take only the Spirit of God. That's why he said, through the Spirit, I'm giving you my Spirit. And through Him, my peace, I'm giving to you. Because I cannot do this in myself. So I want you to stand with me tonight. I declare over you the peace of God has been released to you to walk in these evil days. That you will not live in fear. You will not live in conflict. You will not live in lack and you will not live in want. But according to the word of God, he said, my peace, my shalom, I give unto you. May it be well. Matter of fact, let me quote that exactly. And this is it. I'll bless you with this. Where, where's that definition at that I had? 
Lift up your hands. Hold them like you're going to receive again. May you be full of well-being. May you be full of health. And may prosperity be upon you. May you not lack in any good thing. May you be full of rest. May you be full of joy. May you be full of finances. Whatever you have need of that has been given to us freely through Christ. May you have it. I bless you with it now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. I receive. I receive. Y'all remember what Steve's message was Sunday, right? Receive. I receive. I receive. God, I receive your peace in Jesus' name. Good night, everybody.